Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 176 of CS Radio. I'm Jay Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Natty Leach. Uh, Natty. What's up? It's a, it's a dreary February day. It was nice this morning, but it's it not It was, now. and now it's uh, rainy, and I'm, I'm just looking ahead at the forecast. Uh, as we record this, tomorrow is the STEM Career Fair. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be a rainy day. Uh-oh. Um, good thing we'll have a coat rack. That is a good thing. It's it's particularly upsetting to me because I have to push the cart yes. with all the laptops tomorrow morning in the rain. I emphasize coat rack because sometimes it feels like when people are checking in, I'm not really there for the fair, but I'm more advertising. You're advertising the, the you, coat rack. You're there. You're there to rep the coat rack. <laughs> Did you know that there's a really nice coat rack right behind you? Yeah, I didn't. Thanks for telling me. Well, would you say that that's uh, one of your leadership skills, pointing out coat racks? I've never really taken it to heart, but I suppose yes. I would say that you are very service-oriented. Okay. And you are you are very good about making sure that people's needs are met. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I want, I want them to feel well-served and yeah. like uh, they're taken care of. So if they don't see the coat rack, you're going to make sure that they know hey, there's a coat rack. Yeah, and that might be helpful. They might not think about why that's helpful, but I think it could be helpful so you don't have to carry around a wet coat when you're it's talking something, to people. It's one less thing to worry about at a career fair. Absolutely. Well, I bring this up because today we're going to talk about leadership styles and different ways that you can be a leader in the workplace. I felt like it kind of ties into our conversation from last week about strengths. Uh, I will say, uh, if you listen to that episode, we did mention that uh, had she not been ill, we probably would have asked our colleague Megan to be a part of that episode. I did get a text from her. We might need her to set the record straight. I did get a text I from her <laughs> uh, after she heard the episode. She's like, why was I not on there? I was like, you were ill. She goes, I would have gotten better. I, I got a I've been betrayed <laughs> yeah. gift from uh, Taylor. Oof. Taylor Swift. Oof. Well, you, Megan, we, we didn't want to disturb you as you recovered from an illness. But we'll be happy to have you back on, and you can tell us everything that we uh, we got wrong, <laughs> which I think was plentiful. <laughs> I I um, I get the impression that she was um, less than impressed with our. I knew it. I knew it as we were talking. Like we really need an expert here on this one. Well, once again, this week we have to fend for ourselves, but we're turning once again to our good friends at the Muse. Uh, for some inspiration, and they ran an article recently that I, I really enjoyed. Four types of influence to use at work, according to a leadership consultant. Mm. Um, and so they've, uh, first of all, let's let's talk about just the idea of influence. It has potentially sinister overtones, I think, a little bit, but but not necessarily. Yes, there's mind control, propaganda, yes. all sorts of uh, dark hidden corners behind it, potentially. But in reality, I think it's just a way to help convey your message in a in a useful way. That that isn't. Um, you have lots of different style behind. It. I think one of the ways I appreciate the article is it gives you the different options for how you can best influence people through how, through your delivery of a concept or through delivery of a message, and how you approach others with the task at hand. The sort of thrust of this article is that all 
employees should understand that at some level they have influence. And even a, a low-level employee sometimes can, can have profound in, influence. I often think of that in terms of our office where um, you know typically we have uh, coordinators or maybe young uh, associate directors coming in right out of college or right out of a, a master's degree program who are, you know, younger, have a fresher take on things, and they can wield extraordinary influence. I mean, I think back to when I was the very junior member of the office and I was, you know, relatively fresh out of college. And I started saying things like, why don't we do this survey online instead of me licking all these envelopes? And now look at, you know, now we've got an online, you know, survey industry going here Um, or creating a podcast, expanding our digital. Those all came from ideas from not directors, right? They came from, from fresh ideas. Now we happen to work in an office that encourages and embraces that and not, that's certainly not the case. I know that we sometimes feel that we don't influence, say, the division or the university as much as we would like to. But in other ways, I think we have um, just by being a different voice. You know, um, <clears throat> we've mentioned it before in the podcast, but career services situated within the student life division is becoming rarer and rarer in sort of higher education. They are placed uh, in the president's or provost sector or sometimes in alumni right. and development. Uh, so, we, you know, we have a very different perspective than our colleagues in university life who are dealing with sort of the day-to-day of student identity and student, student life. And we're sort of talking about their lives outside of Penn. So just having that perspective, I think, has we have influenced some things at the divisional and university level, even though sometimes it feels like ripples when we'd like to make waves. Yeah, but I like the strategy perspective in this that, just like you mentioned, showcases where even if an organization is not flat and isn't always willing to hear, um, how through different approaches you can still find a way to to influence and um, and be a leader in whatever role you're in. So they, uh, they've broken uh, this uh, into four different ways that you can uh, – yield influence and they are telling selling consulting and collaborating and i i wonder where we fall i think i know do you mean we like the two of us as individuals or yeah. okay what do you what, what's your? well i definitely think that you're a seller uh, that's the one i lean to i was gonna say that and so. i think that i'm i'm probably closest to that um, but I think probably consulting also, I, I think I have a little bit of that too. Cause I like going in, like if we talk about things particularly, well, I guess it's, it's situational, right? Yeah. And part of the point is that sometimes right, these, different needs might. That's exactly right. So these are not, these are you, unlike strengths where it's saying you are this or you are that. These are just different tactics that you you can take. So, I mean, let's start with the the first one telling. It's sort of the most obvious one. It's the direct one. How do you influence people? You say this is the rule. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, turn my, turn the gain up on my mic. Wow. No, don't actually do it. I was just Look at the influence. He was doing it. Look he at the influence right you yield. <laughs> I influenced him immediately. 
Um, and and the part of the point it makes in the article is that's the most direct way oftentimes to get a result where if you have an intended result there, um, and you just tell people what that vision is or what that, what it needs to be done, the specific thing that needs to be done. It's so interesting because I have to tell sometimes I'm responsible for enforcing technology policies in the office, branding policies. Tell us when you borrow a laptop. Tell us when you borrow a laptop. And so I do have to repeat things over and over again. I'm sure people get sick of me saying it, and I get sick of people not listening so that I have to say it over and over again. Natty, write your blog. Natty, write your blog. I'm going to have to say something next week uh, about um, uh, the use of tags on our website. I think people have gotten out of control. Did I do that? I tagged a bunch yesterday. Uh, I I was looking – I'm talking specifically about blogs. Okay. I'm safe. Uh, yeah, because you don't write your blog. <laughs> I write it. Uh, I write it. I, I noticed that many of our blogs were being tagged to every single community. Uh, and that is not what those communities are are built for. Say, if anything, I under tag. Yeah, I, I actually think that's probably the best way to go. But our audience doesn't need to know that. <laughs> but it's an example of where I'm going to have to go to staff meeting on Wednesday. And I'm going to have to tell some of it is. Now, that does not mean I'm wagging my finger. I'm going to go and I'm going to remind everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to say, when you do this, this is what it looks like on the on the student side. So let's remember that we only want things that have one-to-one connections appearing on the individual community. So if this blog is not particular to, say, the engineering community, let's not tag it to engineering. However, I'm giving you a look because I think you've already even uh, moved into the selling section. Where Do you, you think I have? You're, you're, you're rationalizing and you're showing why it's important to tag things the correct way. You're not just saying, oh, hey, tag true. it like this. You're saying, if you tag it just as this, it'll be more effective in our communication methods. And when you're tagging everything, it really hurts our opportunity to get things in, into the right audience. In front well, of people. I, I think that anytime uh, you're, you're telling, maybe you really should be selling right we we know from experience like nobody likes being told what to do and nobody likes you know if we go in a meeting and we're just told this is the new policy and there's no chance for discussion and there's no rationale behind it now if you could sell me on that policy if you could justify it or show me the benefits of it i think i would be more willing to to listen so yeah, it's, I, it, I guess I am a seller. It's it's important to see the reasoning behind something. I think uh, there are people who like to be told. Sometimes that is an easier way to you don't have to worry about the the whole vision or all the different moving parts of something. As long as you just know, hey, I can put my head down and this is the task I got to accomplish. Great. I'll move forward and get that done. Um, but to your point, I, 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 I in particular very much appreciate being able to see the vision and the thought behind why I'm being told something. Because frankly, if I don't see the point of something, I'm going to be a lot less likely to end up doing it um, in the long term. I might do it once or twice right after you told me. But if it's something like, hey, Natty, every week you need to do, say, plug your laptop into the network port. That's a great example. Hey, Natty, you need to plug your laptop in the network port. I will not have done it for five years straight. Does Natty Leach still work here? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. We have no record of him logging on. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's because he doesn't. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, so in that way, I wasn't really sold on the importance or I didn't buy in 
buy-in is a big part of it, especially when you, you, we move to the, the selling part. Um, I didn't buy into plugging it into the network. I didn't need the network. A lot of the stuff what I was doing was on the cloud anyway. Yeah. I was meeting with people on Zoom. I I was using Handshake, which is obviously just on my browser. I don't need to be on Penn specific network for that. Um, so in that way, I didn't see the, the added benefit for me individually or even for the greater good of me logging in there. Um, so instead, I, I chose to go my own way. And so you did. And so I did. Now, uh, do you think you could be sold on plugging your laptop into the network? With the information I know, there's probably somewhere in there. If there's a reason, if there was like a, yeah. no student will ever get a job again unless you oh. plug your, <laughs> I'm going to the extreme here. Yeah. But if there was some sort of clear outcome and purpose, yeah. Um, then yeah, absolutely I would. But without that clear purpose, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the things that I know where the clear like purpose and outcome is. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer it because I think the AirPen Net is uh, crappy. I never have a problem with it. Yeah. It's and in fact, in fact, just this week, I think, was not the internet, the wired internet down in our as, office? As was the Wi-Fi. Oh, the Wi-Fi was yeah, too? Yeah, the whole thing. A whole, a whole router went out on Market Street. So. I, was like, I know there have been times where everyone in the office is like, well, the internet's not working. I'm sitting there. I got my Wi-Fi going. I'm good to go. That's pretty rare, I think. It's happened. Um, but yeah, no, the whole si- the whole system went down, so we might as well have just all been on five G at that point. Like I said, uh, I th- I think that I am sometimes um, I lean into consulting, which is the idea of more of a, a collaboration. Although that's its own <laughs> collaborating is its own thing. But I like to so for example, we you and I both did a lot of work on some divisional committees last summer. Um, working uh, on uh, some communication plans and i um i kind of found myself uh relying on some consulting skills there talking about here's what's been successful for me in the past here are some things that you can look at you know natty was very instrumental in saying here's how we use teams and here's how it could be a model for the division um and uh I found I found that very a very satisfying way to work. Yeah, and I think so you mentioned at the top of the pod the idea like the underbelly of influence. And I think as we move between selling and collaborating, there's sometimes some opportunity to not be totally or or the idea of authenticity I think comes into play here. Um if you're effectively selling something, you're probably coming across as authentic and being able to get people to buy in. Sometimes when you're collaborating on the, or sorry, when consulting. you're consulting on the other hand, um, people might not always feel heard, even if they have the opportunity to say those things. So they, they might give the best recommendations in the world in their opinion. But at the end of the day, the person who's in charge, the idea of makes it consulting versus collaborating is there's still you or that person yes. who's going to be making that final decision. Yes. So there's still that opportunity for people to not feel as hurt even though they had an opportunity to say things and, and those well I, and, and and take it a step uh take it another angle because uh, i think we we sort of had this experience we consulted we came up with a game plan we made recommendations and then the person at the top didn't use their telling power to yes. tell anyone that that's how this should how we should be doing things from now on yes um and despite our best attempts to sell it 
uh, it fell on sort of deaf ears. Yeah, in, in the moment, I really liked the idea, the consulting portion of yeah. it, because we were able to offer that up. I, I felt heard in the moment for, for that idea. But the article itself even mentions that there's an inherent idea that not everyone will be perfectly happy in this result because someone's still, at the end of the day, going to make a decision that might not fit in line with how they've been consulted. Um, but it is a step in the right direction because many people – a larger group of people will feel like they contributed to that idea as exactly. opposed to not having the opportunity to to voice disagreement or to So I think that's even more into the collaboration end of things, right? It's uh cuz I was thinking of our uh, you and me specifically as sort of the the consultant roles in that in that particular yeah. scenario. But at the end of the day uh, there's someone above us making the final decision. Uh, absolutely. And uh you know the same goes so if you think about it the, the, the final one is collaboration, and how is that different from consulting? That's sort of everyone coming in on equal footing. I think of yes. consulting, we had some experience and some expertise already that we were trying to lend. And then in collaboration, I think everybody sort of working together um, from almost the same level there's a real removal of uh, like letting go of the power. To yes, I mean this is how career services operates. It's very Quaker, in fact. It is very Quaker. And we so, often say quorum and uh, what, what uh, c word. Uh, <gasps> not that c word. <laughs> consensus. Consensus. Thank you. Um, yes, we do, and I think that um, we we. St- our leadership strives to make sure that everybody feels heard. So we're facing a a really large uh, move in the coming year. And we've been looking at various uh, blueprints and uh, ideas of what this new space might look like. And there's some real challenges. And I think Barb's been really great about giving people the opportunity to voice opinions. Yes, but we're consulting in that case because there's still so, someone well, above right. us. So again, so this is so interesting because in the career services staff meeting, we're collaborating. Yes, as yes, all of us are <laughs> flat together collaborating. And then Barb is going back to the architects group as yes. a consultant, <laughs> yes. saying this is really what these people need. And then the provost is going to tell <laughs> the, yes. the architect what to build. I prefer it if the provost would sell. I would too. Um, I prefer that we could sell to the yeah. provost what <laughs> what it is we we need. Say another floor, <laughs> um, but uh, it right. It just goes to show, like, so the career services staff has influence in a collaborative way over Barb. Barb has influence over the group that's working at the provost level. Um, sort of as a as a as a cons, cons, yes as a, a consultant, and then the provost liaison to the architect. Really, I think you're right. We really should be a seller, but I think is probably in this case has been more of a teller. Yeah, and I think between tell and sell, I always think about show versus tell as well. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm rhyming over and over here, but show versus tell. I mean, we talk about it all the time in interview prep. Or in a cover when you're writing a cover letter, just the idea that a message is better received when the audience in particular can understand where you're coming from or can see you in action, can see the reasoning behind what you're doing. Even we're doing case interviews, we're doing mock case interviews. A big part of a case interview is letting the interviewer see your thought process. So you're not just telling them, 
I recommend that we increase salaries, but you're saying I recommend we increase salaries because of all of these things. And you're kind of building together all of the analysis and things you put together so you can really sell that idea and show it to them. Yeah. I mean, that is obviously something that I think about all the time in, as a writer, in the creative space as a writer. Absolutely. And as an actor, it's the, it's the biggest thing you learn in, in acting school at least in a, a traditional american acting school yeah, so you don't just get on stage and say i am crying <laughs> yes uh and you don't walk on stage and you don't rub your eyes and go <laughs> oh! <laughs> you'd get kicked out of acting class <laughs> but again like it's situational if you're doing kabuki theater mm-hmm. that's exactly what you would do because the idea is to show the emotion um or no, to tell is to tell the emotion mm-hmm. uh, very like very broadly and just and just go oh yes that is sadness that is happiness mm-hmm. um, whereas in, in America we want you to feel it right so you need to we need to you know we need to show you yeah. to show you that I'm sad that we need the buy in we need your emotional buy in yes, to the it's scene a very difficult it's, it's, it's a very draining occupation but absolutely the truth. And has been one of the biggest, just, you know, as a side note, one of the biggest challenges to writing primarily for audio now mm-hmm. because it's very hard sometimes to explain what's happening when you can't see it. Well, so, I remember you showed me one of your early drafts and one of my the things I said to you I was like, are you sure this joke works by audio? Like, I couldn't. I couldn't picture because I was reading it. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't picture like, would this work on a soundstage as opposed like you don't have the visual cues is where where I would normally picture how this joke would actually unfold. Yep. So it's very, sometimes it, and sometimes it doesn't work, but a lot of times you, you just have to, you know, throw in a sound effect or some Foley magic, make sure that the actor is delivering it in such a way that's very, very clear what's going on. I think we've become pretty successful at it, doing it for four years now, but um, you know, it's it's it is funny the overlap there that that kind of thinking uh, certainly is how I think at work too. I I'm definitely always trying to I guess justify is this the word, but I'm always but or sell you know it goes back yeah. to that. Just trying to say why are we doing something? Uh, you know that's like. Why don't I ever really ride your case about plugging your laptop in? Because who I I don't have a really good you answer. Can't sell, you can't There's sell. No, it to me. I got nothing to sell. It's unsellable. For you. It's a it's good for security, but like what you're doing is not bad for security. Yeah, <laughs> so, not insecure. Right. So I don't really have I don't have really a leg to stand on, other than that's what you're supposed to do. Um, one example that they give that I think is worth highlighting. So we talked earlier about the idea of how all of these things can be done regardless of whether you are at the top of an organization or just starting out at an entry-level position mm-hmm. or an intern mm-hmm. um, at an organization. And one of the examples I like that they gave um, was how an admin- administrative assistant might be put in charge of selecting a path forward for um, a new project mm-hmm. management software. So they might say, and this is something that, uh, seems reasonable to me that they might say, "Hey, take a look at what's out there. See who, what the companies are, and what, um, what what software would work well for the case that we have at hand, and get back to us." And it 
uses an example here of if, if that was a task for an intern or an administrative assistant, how consulting could be really good because then you use the knowledge and expertise of colleagues around you to be able to take in their considerations. You've already kind of assessed and maybe seen the landscape of what's right. out there, but then you can get some extra influence in, in how you're going to present it by understanding what other people um, are coming from, right. from what so they've seen. The consulting, so then you can do the selling. So you can say, yep. well, I looked at this, but what's that's missing is, X, and in speaking with Natty and his team, mm-hmm. X would be the most important thing. So we really need to go with this other one, even though it's a little more expensive. It's going to increase Natty's productivity by you know 75%. Yeah. Yeah, and you might end up working across uh, the department, right? It might be that they realize that, oh, the, for the marketing team, this it actually wouldn't work at all, this one solution. But I realized that this middle ground approach that many people felt would be reasonable is the best one yeah. to move forward with. And I think that, uh, like I said, you mentioned it, and I said at the start, one of the things I like best about this article is recognizing that everybody has that sort of influence. So a lot of our listeners are just uh, starting out on their career paths. Uh, going into entry-level jobs, and it is important to think about the influence that you can have. Probably not through telling. That may not be. It may not be received very well. So one of the things this also reminds me of um, is I did not read this book, but the book, have you ever How to Win Friends and Influence People? I do know it, yes. Um, but I think one of the ideas, one of my friends has read that book. I know other people who have read the book. I've not read it myself, but one of the ideas is considering your audience and how that message is received by that audience is how a good way to present things. And just like you said, like it may not be received particularly well if an intern is coming in and telling the CEO or the CFO, you need to be doing things differently. But if they're able to come in and get a good picture on consulting with other people within the organization and then sell that idea to them, that might help institute change or, or, or showcase the importance of, of a particular solution. I got a perfect example. Prior to Sam, we had a student producer on the show, and one of the first things that she said to me was, your episode titles are very clever, but you should stop doing them that way. And I was like, I love naming the episodes. It's like my favorite thing. She said, they're not coming up in searches. Yeah, Your titles should just be what you're talking about. And I was like, I don't She goes, Try it for five episodes and see if your search, if your SEO return is better. I was like, okay, right away, instant. (laughs) Of course she was right. Of course. Because a clever title, clever though they were, go back and look at them. They're all, each one's a classic. But it may, it was not specifically clear that though today, we're talking about leadership styles. Yeah. How, how, how would that come up uh, uh, otherwise? Like, how would someone find that? Right. They... Well, wait, you know, we would add keywords and stuff to the metadata, but, like, isn't it better just to yeah. have it in the title? Yeah. 100% correct. So, today's episode, leadership skills will probably be <laughs> the title. <laughs> I was just fascinated by this. I hope that uh, you take a second. It's a quick read. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, and think about how... You use influence, whether that's in the classroom, in your job, in your social circle, and uh, are there ways in which you can improve any of these four uh, influential skills? We hope that everybody will uh, have come out to our STEM fair, and when you're listening to this, the coming up this Friday is the design fair for all of our students over at the Whiteman School of Design, as well as undergraduate architecture majors. Mm-hmm. 
And I believe on Thursday we've got our virtual our virtual fair. fair, yeah, which is very broad. Lots of lots of different types of employers will be represented. That yeah, and that is great. You know, you know the drill at this point. You can schedule time in advance with the employers you like. So I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, those slots are open. You can be logging into Handshake and picking your times. Uh, we hope to see you there, and we'll see you next time on CS Radio. This podcast is presented by the University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of University Life. It was created by Milan Kirshner and J. Michael DeAngelis. It was produced and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and Natty Leach and mixed and edited by Sam Pasco. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening. See you next time on CS Radio.